Hi, and welcome to episode 221 of No Crying in Baseball, the Tissues at the Ready episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Prepare to cry, Potty Mouth. I'm sorry. You know, once again, it would really behoove me to read the titles that you put on our notes before we start recording. And I would have gotten some fucking tissues because I seem to be in a <laughs> So place tissues not at the ready. My tissues are not at the ready, but you know, I could run out and run back in if you could talk for an extended period of time when well you know I can do that happens. yeah there we so, go what well, you know you you will need to, re- to refill your beer so maybe you can do that all at one run mm-hmm. I have a um, a cloth napkin because I'm being sustainable so it just but cloth napkin at the ready doesn't sound as emotional no yeah I, maybe I can I'm right near the I could grab a watch I don't want to know yeah I, we, we don't <laughs> need right. those I'm just pointing um, right. I want to tell you that um tell actually our our listeners out there that I have spreadsheet envy because on a snow day this week potty mouth went through and made the most beautiful spreadsheet of years of boyfriends and I gotta say I do spreadsheets as part of my job and none of mine look as good as this it is so lovely. I just think there's a future for you in mindless administrative work should you choose to give up educating the youths of today. Why, thank you. I wasn't sure if that was going towards spreadsheet en- envy or snow day envy because the snow days this week definitely you know, yeah. had me on the good side. Yeah. So I did not get snow days. I got to okay. telework more than I usually do, which was good, but I didn't get the day off. But I also think that if I had a snow day, I might not have been spent with spreadsheets, but that's a different story. That's okay. Yeah. I know you did other things too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I realized that with my new non-classroom job that I really don't have snow days either, that I have to get shit done. So I I just chose a different kind of spreadsheet than what maybe I should have been doing, but it was way much more fun. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, happy you were that we are practicing your skills, right? Yes. I mean, that just makes you better at your job. Right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's it. Sure. We'll go with that. Okay, let's do. Hey, on today's show, what's not happening during the lockout? We've entered multiple levels of limbo. In our police blotter, we learned that sleeping in an intersection while intoxicated is apparently not a crime. We've got boyfriends on the Angels and the Rockies and lots of international baseball featuring Genevieve Beacom. Woo. Woo. So first, the lockout. Uh, The word has it that even though nothing has happened, nothing has happened at all since um, the league locked out the players on December 2nd. The league is preparing economic proposals, a new round that they hope to have ready sometime in January. It's January, my friends, to get talks going again. So pitchers and catchers are supposed to report on February 16th, I think. Can we get a move on? I mean, there was a piece that compared previous lockouts with other leagues, like the uh, the basketball league, for instance, where they said nothing happens until you're under the gun. And one of the things that gets you under the gun is if paychecks are in the balance and paychecks are not in the balance until the season is underway. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's a suspicion that no one is in a hurry to get moving until it's almost too late, which is kind of crappy because that means that, you know, some things can happen and some things can happen. And a lot of what's happening is people are writing stories about nothing to fill the space yes. that's supposed to be filled with, you know, trade news and free agency signing and all that. I know coaches can be hired still though. Yes. For example, I have some coach news. Joey Cora is the new third base coach for the Mets. And you might recognize that last name, Red I Sox do, fans, because <laughs> Alex Cora is the uh, is the manager for the Red Sox, famously, for a while. And he's done good things there. And this is his brother. And they've both been in baseball for many, many years. They were both players. And actually, Alex says that Joey was the better player. 
and Joey's been coaching third base with the Pirates since 2017. So the question is, you know, why the jump, same job? And well, maybe the Mets are looking at a little better standing than the Pirates this year. But also there's a lot of, um, what, what do you call that? Gossip, scuttle, scuttlebug? Uh, Scuttlebutt. Some, that's it. Scuttlebutt. <laughs> yep. Scuttlebutt saying that maybe the Mets are just trying to pull out the stops to troll the Yankees because now whenever the Yankees in that small town of New York have to hear about what's going on with the Mets or playing inter interleague with the Mets, they get to hear the name Cora so that they shall not forget. I'm just thinking that like – I. I've not ever heard the name Joey Cora before, which huh. is weird because, you know, I tend to read a lot about baseball. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's sort of like a friend's thing where like Joey's the one that we don't talk about nearly as much. I mean, right. he's clearly <laughs> an important part of the mm -hmm. bigger picture. We just don't talk about him so much. This is what I see happening. Yeah. Maybe you'll hear about him now. Maybe. Maybe. So um, as we said, we're going to be talking about Angel's boyfriend. So I was reading about what's happening with the Angels, and I learned an interesting fun fact about things that can't happen during the lockout. So Adam Eaton, former National, former White Sox twice, um, and very recently a former Angel, is talking about retiring. He's played for 10 years, and he's also in conversation. Well, he there are rumors that the Angels would like to hire him for the coaching staff, ah. likely first base, where he would be very good. He's a good base dealer. He'd be a really good first base coach. So he is technically a free agent, right? So he was with the White Sox. They released him in July. He was picked up the next day by the Angels, who then released him after 25 games, and he became a free agent. But he's still technically covered by the expired collective bargaining agreement. So he can't talk to management which means he can't talk about getting a job as a coach while he is still technically a player. Oh, now, the union right. says he's not on a 40-man roster. That's got to be okay, right? Because minor league guys can do deals. But technically, he is still a free agent. Now, nothing has said – nothing I read said, well, if he were to choose to just flat-out retire right now, does that then free him up? Which I think is probably the case. I don't know if he's just trying to like keep – you know, juggling, keep all the plates in the air. Like maybe there is another mm -hmm. player gig available to me, but he had a terrible season. So it's not likely. Um, but the, the A's were really impressed with him as a leader, not so much as a player. Cause I let him go, but he said he was great working with the young outfielders, especially, you know, my former boyfriend, Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, who, you, you know, spoiler alert, you may hear about in about five minutes. Um, but he did a lot of work with those guys, right? Because, you know, Mike Trout was out with an injury. So he was the, you know, the veteran who was able to work with these outfielders and did a good job. So he can't communicate with team officials right now. So he's in this weird like donut hole of limbo. So, you know, stay tuned. We'll, we'll see. I just made that delicious, didn't I? I was going to say the donut <laughs> hole of limbo. That's going to be a title of something. That's, like, maybe I episode. don't know. I don't know. So that's, you know, the, yeah. So the rest of the, the Angels coaching staff, they've hired a bunch of guys. They, you know, again, we're moving around, you know, deck chairs on the Titanic. They, they pulled guys from other teams, <laughs> nothing, nothing new. But they can't really assign them to any positions, and like specific coaching gigs, until they know if they've got Adam Eaton or not. Because, you know, if so, he's the first base coach. But if he's not, maybe Phil Nevins is that guy instead of the third base coach or whatever. So we'll, you know, we'll see what's going on there. Other things that are getting canceled are like the winter fan events. 
That's like specifically, sad. yeah, like like the Cardinals posted that their winter warm up, which is supposed to happen on the fifteenth, is canceled. And I looked up, you know, Nats always does Winterfest, so I looked it up, and the last news about Winterfest was last year's being canceled because of COVID, and no word at all about this year's. And so I really, ha- I think a lot of teams just didn't even go there. You know that which might not be a bad thing because COVID now. So maybe it's yep. not something to be sad about, but just a thing. For Yes, for sure. For sure. So speaking of retiring, Cameron Maben just announced his retirement this week. He played for 11 teams in 15 seasons. Whoa. And I really liked his, you know, his announcement and his goodbye message because he said, you know, I'm still going to be around. I'm looking forward to my next step. He says, I'm excited for what lies ahead, including my work with the Players Alliance Woo-hoo. in our effort to provide access and opportunity for the next generation of black ball players. That's awesome. So I can't wait to see what he does next. That's going to yeah. be pretty great. I really don't care what um, former Mets acting general manager Zach Scott does next. Um, the news about him and our police blotter is that you remember his um, his uh, a sentence was postponed because of COVID, because he had COVID. So even though his his court appearance was in December, they couldn't actually say, here's what's going to happen. Here's here's the decision. Um, he was found not guilty of a DWI and also of driving while, quote, ability impaired. He was found asleep in his car at an intersection in White Plains, New York at 4 a.m. At an active intersection, like on this on the road. Just, just, uh, just on the road at 4 a.m. So at the time, okay, so this may or may not be um, unasked for legal advice. He refused <laughs> a breathalyzer and a blood test at the time. And they only did the field test, the, you know, walk a straight line, you know, touch your finger to your nose, all those things. And that was cl- that was captured on the body cam of the police officer. And the judge said, based on the body cam, he looks fine. Oh, God. He looks That's fine. Amazing. Nobody would think he was intoxicated. Case dismissed. So he did post, uh, Zach Scott did post an apology saying he regrets his choices of that day. Um, he's not saying specifically what those choices were, but there you have it. That's our police blotter. So if you are, if you decide to take a nap in your vehicle at an intersection at 4 a.m. in White Plains, refuse the breathalyzer and the blood test and hope you get the same judge. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm guessing those are the choices that he doesn't quite regret. Right. For sure. For sure. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. All right. I'm going to open up this Hop Electric Hazy IPA from Flying Dog Brewery. Oh, I've had one of those at your house. And it was delicious. It, there are more for when you come back. Um, or maybe they won't be here by then, but we'll see. But I I'm when gonna, do I get to come back? I, oh, I hope so. I don't know. I'm having a cosmic winter from, from uh, Silver Branch right now. I was thinking about that, but uh, that's a heavy hitter. But that's a, that's a good thing. We like heavy well, hitters. I'm not going anywhere. I'm yeah. home. Yeah. And th- you know what? I might be following this up with that. <laughs> but right now. But right I'm now. Gonna, what's I'm happening now? Toast to our boyfriends. We've been throwing that name around. So anybody who's new here with us, these are the guys that Patty and I very, very carefully pick in this off season. We go through each team and we each pick one guy per team because they're cool. There's something about them that just sort of calls out to us. Makes us want to really hang out and have a beer with them or coffee as the case may be. And we've been working our way up from the teams with the worst record going up to the teams with the best. And we're kind of getting in that middle section. And this week, we're going to start off in the American League. And I'm going to do my my annual reminding of everybody that if you translate 
the Los Angeles Angels, all to one language, it is the, the Angels, Angels, because it's the Los Angeles, and Los <laughs> Angeles in Spanish, that is the Angels. So we're talking about the, the Angels, Angels this week, all those angels. And I'm wearing my Angels Pujols t-shirt, which I, I, I adore, adore the guy. And I didn't know much about the angels besides the ones that we had already picked. So I was feeling like I was I was just going at this kind of cold. You know, I don't see a lot of the angels from the teams that I follow. And I I was looking at the catcher, Matt, Max Stacy, Stacy. I didn't even look long enough to figure out how to pronounce his name. And I was intrigued. And especially because I've been sort of going back on a lot of our pseudo rules. So our basic baseball boyfriend rule is they can't be an asshole. So we're not going to do deal with anybody who's been accused of anything very nefarious. But what nefarious is, has sort of gone up a and A little down. nefarious is okay. A, right. So, so yeah, like the other, a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about um, Montesi, Alberto Montesi, and how he had had PED stuff and I'd been trying not to deal with that in the past, but I felt like it was... It was excusable. It was it was understandable. Mm -hmm. And then there was the, you know, I usually don't pick guys that I think are going to try to convert me. But last week with Rafael Ortega, there was a little bit of an exception. And I almost made the big exception of Stacey was on the Astros during that cheating year. And he actually had a good apology. What I would say seemed like a genuine apology. Now, of course, he did this after joining the Angels, and I'm sure any Astros member who went to another team had to do a shit ton of apologizing with the people that he's around. And he was like backup, backup catcher, so he didn't play that much. But then I looked at that chart that said who took how many bangs, you know, and, and uh -huh. out of a percentage of your at-bats. And he didn't have that many at-bats, but he was 25% of those bats had banged. That means trash can warning. So I thought, I just don't want to open this can of worms. I had a hard enough time defending my last two borderline picks. I'm still not okay with with your, your last last week's. Not uh, last week's. The, with, the, with, the, with the criminal religious yeah, thing. Yeah, not the religious I, thing, it's the criminal religious right, thing. Right, right. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna continue to defend Ortega. Go back to last week if you don't know what we're talking about. But I also realized that I have to be pragmatic about this because we are going to be drafting our fantasy teams from this. And we've already gotten interest from people who haven't played our fantasy league before who want oh, in I'm this so glad. year. Yay. Yeah. So if you want Please in, join us. you better get in touch with Patty soon because I bet we're going to be filling up. So I realized that I didn't have second base. So I just looked at second base and I found David Fletcher, who I have totally fallen for because he is a nice guy. I think this is like Patty approval level kind of nice guy. Ooh, he's that's a, pretty high. Yeah. He's, he's just looking at his face. He's super sweet, lovely smile. He's a local dude. He's an Angels fan growing up. And we love that sort of, you know, local community connection thing. He's from and still lives in Orange County, California. He went to the O2 World Series parade with his family when I'm guess he was mighty young at that point and attended Loyola Marymount University, which is in L.A. So local guy. And then just like for extra potty mouth points, he was a Cape Cod League All-Star. Folks, I'm from Massachusetts, in case you haven't picked up on that, with the Orleans Firebirds. So he signed with the Angels in the sixth round in 2015, came up in June of 18. 
And his debut, his second at bat, he got a two-run triple. And I'm feeling like this is one of my themes for this year because Mondesi had led triples in 19. I talked about him a couple of weeks ago. I talked about Badu last week with the Tigers. He was second in triples in 2021. So I'm apparently attracted to guys who do triples. He also had three hits in that debut, plus a play at the plate. Now, mind you, I had said he's a second baseman. So in his debut, he was on third. And apparently, he's also versatile and flexible. He can play third. He's played shortstop. He's played outfield. He was on third base. And it was this crazy play at the plate where there was a a throw-in from the outfield and the shortstop had already gone out. And he knew enough on his debut game to run in toward the plate because when the throw came into the catcher, who was uh, Machete Maldonado, who did, made an amazing play because it was a shitty throw. He was far enough off the plate that he couldn't make the play. So then he threw it to Fletcher, who got in and just made the out. On his debut game to like have that kind of wherewithal for defense, super impressive. His younger brother, Dominic, is in the D-backs organization. And I, I did check out both my guys on Twitter and was super happy with what I found. So um, David, a lot of his tweets are tweeting things about his brother's success. Like when his brother's done well in various stages, he's tweeting them. So I didn't know about David Fletcher, but apparently the Angels fans sure do because he is a fan favorite. Everybody just likes him because he's that nice guy. He's that positive energy in the clubhouse that people just get along with. And your former boyfriend, Anthony Rendon, said that if you were going to put him in the Marvel universe, he would be Captain America because he's basically Mr. Baseball. <laughs> he's not a flashy dude. He's 5'9". And and that seems pretty consistent, too. We talked about how like that measurement sometimes goes up and down when you're around that end, right. <laughs> around that range. I saw 5'9 everywhere I looked. But he gets the ball in play. So, for example, in 2020, he was hitting 319, but he only had three home runs because he's that contact guy. He's going to be doing that small ball. And so in his span of being up in in the majors from 18 to 21, his average is 281 with 12 home runs. But he has the lowest, or at least actually I think this is from 20, had the lowest swing and miss rate in MLB with 3% making contact on 92% of the pitches, which is crazy. So at this point, I'm looking at his stats, looking like a good solid player. And I was like, I got to look this guy up on Twitter, make sure that everything is going to be okay. And the first post that I saw was come support summer harvest food for kids at my first annual. And I love that like ambition. First annual charity poker tournament. What can you not love about that charity poker tournament that says potty mouth all over it. And so I looked up the the um, charity that they were raising money for, and their mission is to provide healthy, nutritious, nutritious food to families with children on the free and reduced lunch program during the summer and winter recess through the distribution of food and education. Plus, they work on food and security issues, but this is very near and dear to my heart because the program that I work with is very focused on kids who are what we call farms, um, free and reduced meals. Um, also the next post showed that the poker tournament is cause it's business. He's like a real poker player. So there's this video that I actually checked out of him in a poker tournament, which was pretty impressive. So 
He's got sort of both ends of that fun spectrum. And he might have been the designer of the angel shirt for the Boys and Girls Club charity t-shirt thing that they do every year. I saw him retweeting it and it kind of implied it, but I didn't quite get there. Um, <laughs> but the only like downside that I saw in his tweets was that it seems like there's this affection for Budweiser, but I think it's more connected to Budweiser being a sponsor of good things. Uh, the most interesting tweet I saw was a retweet of some poll that said, would you rather attend a, a rock concert with Mark Gubiza, Gubiza, wait, Gubiza, that's it. I'd like listen to the pronunciation various times, Gubiza, who's the former player of Angels, but especially Royals, um, but now does color commentary for the Angels or play a video game with David Fletcher and Fletcher won. 71%. Yeah. Now, I just like the the activities, of course, I would personally rather go to a rock concert than play a video game, but I appreciate the popularity. But the last thing, you have to see this video. I put it in the in the show notes. Everybody, you've got to click on this. It was totally the deal sealer. This interview with a five-year-old girl, the most precocious, adorable little kid, Annabelle, and apparently she had been trying to do these series of videos, but they were all from a year ago. Her parents are wonderful video editors and very good at, at prompting little adorable Annabelle to do this. But she interviews him and his demeanor through it is a winner. He takes her seriously. He's listening to her. He's responding to her like, you know, a human being as opposed to, you know, a lot of people like talk down to, to little kids. And the questions, oh my God. So the first one that got me, favorite movie, his favorite baseball movie was, you can guess. Is, is it Bull Durham? It was Bull Durham. Oh, yes. yes. So <laughs> then the next winner for me, favorite player growing up, he talked about David Eckstein, who apparently was an, an Angels infielder that a lot of people compare him to. But he also said his second favorite player was Dustin Pedroia. Yes. And then the end of the animal ask thing is hysterical because she says, I'm going to ask you a question from your Wikipedia page. And if you get it right, I get a pie in the face. If you get it wrong, you get a pie in the face. And so he, he stops for a moment and looks around and he's like, I don't have a pie. What am I going to do? So then she asks him, what was your batting average your senior year in high school? And she made it multiple choice. So she gave him four <laughs> options, right? Okay. He got it wrong. His batting average senior in the high school, by the way, was 437. So killer. He actually got guessed lower than that. And then there's this little like 10 minute break on the screen. And they, we come back to see his wife, Kira, who looks gorgeous. And she's definitely in the middle of working out. So she's been interrupted to do this, putting a whipped cream on a pie plate. <laughs> and smashing it in his face. So he was a very, right, very good, good sport that's about that. Good. Yeah. So he lives with his wife, Kira. They got married in 2019. She's a professional dancer, gorgeous, and also very, uh, very sweet Instagram page. And they have a cute little dog. So that's my guy. You, you, I don't think there are any holes that we can I am not going to pick, a, pick yeah. a single thing about that. That's really freaking dude. awesome. So I'm going to um, interrupt our boyfriends because we have a stupid rule that we agree uh -oh. on 100% where we can't pick pictures. Oh, yeah. If we could, I just want you, I want to give a quick advertisement for this hilarious story that I saw about an Angels pitcher named Kenny Rosenberg. Kenny was picked up from the Rays by the Angels in the Rule 5, the minor league draft back in December. Um, so when he, he's also from Orange County. So like, you know, Angels are his home team, right? So he gets picked up by the Angels. So he asked Twitter, uh, you know, any of his followers to draw pictures of him 
in angels uniforms <laughs> because he needed the, you know, the, the revised uniform and he picked the favorite one of those for his profile pic. Oh, so I love that. But also a quick um, spin through his Twitter. He slams A-Rod regularly and also um, Manfred. So Ooh. he's our, he's a guy that we could definitely have a beer with, but not as an official boyfriend. Okay. But we could That's pick right. Angel's Pitching. One of us could. We could do that. Sure, we could. Hey, um, I'm totally going along with our many week series of Beers with Moms. All right. Because, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I did. Um, I might have gotten a little weepy researching my guys. I had no idea when I got into this how much they had in common. And it was all the weepy stuff they had in common. Um, so um, brace yourself. So um, I picked Brandon Marsh, center field for the Angels. And you might say, hey, center field for the Angels. Shouldn't that be Mike Trout? Mike Trout has been injured a lot. So Brandon Marsh was, in fact, center fielder for about half the season this past season. He's 24. He's from Buford, Georgia. He was drafted in the second round 2016 by the Angels for a million dollars. So his dad coached him when he was a kid in football, basketball, and baseball. And then when he got to high school, he played all of those sports. Obviously, his dad was not going to coach him there, but he wanted to be involved. So he became the PA announcer for the high school baseball games, which I totally love. His football team at Buford won the state championships 20, 2013 and 2014. His baseball team won the state champs when he was a junior at 2015. You know who was a senior there that year? Joey freaking Bart. Oh, that's your guy. That's my guy. And his coach said to his dad, look at, you know, we're looking at, at, at the end at when at this championship, all the scouts there to see Joey Bart, right? When they won this championship. And he said, next year, that's going to be your kid. And his dad's like, one game at a time, one game at a time. We're here. We're looking at today. We're not. And the, the coach said, this is how the whole family is. They are dedicated and supportive and generous and modest and kind and all, all of them. So the, the mom, the dad, uh, Brandon and his sister, Aaron, all just really good hearted folks. So the next year when he was a senior in 2016, they did not win the championship. He was still overrun by people wanting his autograph and his photo because everybody knew this guy is going to be in the majors he stayed for an hour to make sure that and every single person after losing, after not winning the championship, what do you, when you lose that game, you just want to kind of go home and like, you know, I just get, I, I need, I can't be with people right now. He stayed for an hour to make sure everybody that wanted to talk to him got a chance to do that. That's right? amazing. A lot of guys need to blow off steam, like need to right. go Poof. anything. Yeah. Anything, anything, but do that. Anything yeah. but talk to people. Yeah. So um, his mom said that, the relationship between uh, Brandon and his dad has always been amazing. Like he, the quote is Jake would always be like, what's your plan B if you don't make it? And he would go, dad, if I have a plan B, that means I don't think I can make it. Oh my God. Right. Right. So his dad, here we go. His dad diagnosed with cancer. His dad, because he's that guy started volunteering at the freaking cancer center after his diagnosis to help other people. Right. Right. So, um, so Jake uh, passed away in April, this past April, 2021, and his best friend, Brandon's best friend, then died in June. Oh, my God. So Brandon is giving eulogies for like the two of the most important people in his life at the same church in his hometown, just a couple of months apart. At the same time, you know, looking at the year where he's going to get his call up. This is just last summer, right? This is just, yeah, this oh last spring. God. So I, I, almost not quite a year ago now. So his mom 
says he can't change his dad passing away. He can't change his best friend's passing. So now he just has to live up to what their expectations were. So he debuted in July 2021 and he went 0 for 4. But the next day, his second game, he went 3 for 4 and had his first RBI in the second game. His mom, okay, get ready. Get ready. You might need to go for the, the, the tissues now. His mom, Sonia, brought his dad's ashes to the debut game. And his best friend brought their late friend's football jersey. So all the most important people in his life were represented at his debut. Oh, my God. You weren't kidding. Where I got to get tissues. That's Go a, ahead. That's uh, unbelievable. It's just it's unbelievable. unbelievable. I, it is, it's unbelievable. So he came up with Joe Adele, my former boyfriend, you know, through the minors. And he said, like, you know, that – Joe is one of the people from the team that's been giving him a lot of support, including Joe Adele's family has kind of like taken him in and, you know, help helping when he's, you know, he's there. And also team staff who have had similar experiences, losing a parent, like inviting him over for family dinners, that kind of thing, just making. So the idea of this baseball team addressing those kinds of needs for players. Yeah. I, it, it really is very moving to me and really important. I'm really happy, happy about that. And so like this, you know, it, the expectations are laid out for him. He wants to do well for these people that believed in him. Right. So, and then, and then, you know, he becomes the everyday center fielder for Mike fricking trout. Yeah. Wow. While trout's no pressure. Out. And, and he does pretty well for gosh sakes. His, his hard hit percentage is 20% better than the rest of than the league average, right? He's 51.7% hard hit. His strikeouts are pretty high though. They're 35%. So basically he swings and misses a bunch, but if he hits that ball, that ball is gone, right? It's a super hard hit. And you mentioned um, your guy on the angels, you know, has, was it his brother that they're always like, you know, kind of supporting each other on Twitter and all of that. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, Brandon's sister Erin is a track star. She she is on the she um, does the heptathlon at Duke, and his Twitter is almost as much supporting her. And hey, isn't this cool? Hey, watch this. Hey, go Duke. Hey, look at this. As hers is. Hey, look at my brother. This is his first home run. Hey, look at my brother. Look what he's doing. And I just love to see that stuff. It's like a mutual appreciation yeah. Twitter. So super good guy. Good family. Been through a lot. And, you know, interviews with him, he's he's got such a good attitude, right? Like he wants to be happy. He wants to make other people happy. He's going to look for the best in things. And he's going to make people proud because it's the right thing to do and he really wants to do it. So um, that's that's my guy on the Angels. Good one. You know, between these two and everybody else we know about the Angels, feeling good about them this year. Right? Hoping for the best. All right, we're turning purple now. We're going over to the National yeah. League and heading to the Colorado Rockies. And I'm go going with Connor Kokwai Joe, who's third base, 29 years old. And I got to admit, my first reason for choosing him was the QHAR. So I saw a picture of him, and he has wonderful quality hair above replacement trademark <laughs> Ollie. Plus, it, it one article that I, I read and I quote, said that he has an effervescent smile and a flowing mullet. So I flowing mullet, flowing. And I appreciate the flow. He's originally from San Diego and his grandparents are from China. And this is important in, in many ways that I'm going to be talking about. They started off as immigrants in this country in a similar way as many other Chinese immigrants with the laundry business, and then went into restaurants. So a very common sort of thread here. His parents ran two Chinese restaurants in the San Diego area, and he worked there after school. 
So very hardworking, family-oriented upbringing. Even with all the hard work, the family dinners, the family coming together was really important. And they were all, and he was very close to his grandparents too. They were all in the same area at this point when he was growing up. And he talks about being proud of his heritage and his traditions and this culture of working hard. And this quotation from him really struck me. He said, they came to America with very little. They worked and persevered to build beautiful lives for our family from scratch. This rich history has shaped me. I'm so grateful and I'm out here to make them proud. And just to be that connected to where you come from and also using it as sort of inspiration is is really impressive. And he said that he wants to be an inspiration to Asian American youth for playing baseball and notes that there aren't that many U.S. born Asian Americans in Major League. The ones that make the headlines are mostly ones who are coming from abroad, like Shohei Otani or, or um, Ichiro, is what who I was thinking of, who is actually somebody who he pointed to as being one of his you know players he looked up to. He played for University of San Diego and was drafted by the Pirates in '14, and he's been sort of all over. He had a long minor league experience. He was traded to Atlanta in '17. A few months later, he was traded to the Dodgers, and then he was claimed off Rule 5 by the Reds, then traded to the Giants, and finally he made it up to his first MLB appearance on opening day 2019 with the Giants, and it was in San Diego. So it was in where his family could come and see him. So that moment was very important to him. Unfortunately, his experience with the Giants was very short-lived. He was DFA'd after eight games, went back to the Dodgers, and so he still had this sort of rocky 2019, and then he was diagnosed with testicular cancer in spring of 2020. 2020 was a tough year for a lot of people, but especially if you're dealing with cancer treatment. It went well, thank God for him. Five months later, he was cancer-free, but he did miss the season. He was in treatment. He couldn't, you know, he wasn't going to be able to get up beyond the minors that year, and there was no minors. And he took that opportunity, though, to sort of shift his mindset to the positive. And he said, going through cancer, it made me realize how tough this sport is and how hard we are as athletes. We punish ourselves after a failure, and we fail a lot in baseball. So why not celebrate our victories? So he made this conscious choice to really just focus on what was going well, as opposed to focusing on how much you fuck up, right? So he he signed with the Rockies as a free agent, November 20. And they noted that this signing was a lot. They found him due to his character as well as, as talent, that he's a very intelligent guy, connects really well with people. He was up and down at the beginning of 21 and called up in July 21. And then, so with the Rockies on his call-up, he hit his first major league home run exactly one year after he was declared cancer-free. And he didn't realize that that was the anniversary his wife had to tell him. He's another fan favorite. So this sort of energy, this positivity has made him really popular. He has this zest for the game. He has a good eye, good plate discipline. And in 21, he went, he had, his average was 285. So not bad. Also, he's giving back. So he's been connected with this um, never give up camp for kids with cancer. And there are a lot of players actually who support this, but he not only supported, but he went and participated as a coach. So I am looking forward to seeing Connor Joe and his uh, flowing mullet (laughs) running around the bases. 
Very nice. I see you have him as third base. I was seeing him as an outfielder. So I think he's one of those guys who can do a lot of different things. Oh, who can play shit. a lot of positions. I hope he's third base because I need infielders. All right. Well, I hope he's not because my guy, Colton Welker, is a third baseman uh -oh. <laughs> for the Rockies. But that's okay. That is okay because as we know, everything changes all the time. So Colton Welker is 24. He is from Parkland, Florida. That may be a place that sounds familiar to you. So, Ooh. yeah. So Colton was drafted in the fourth round in 2016 by the Rockies for $800,000. Um, here we go again. His dad, Dale, a professional golfer, died of cancer when Colton was nine. Oh, man. What the hell today with this? Yeah, that's This is like three out of four, really, to have a cancer connection. Right? Yeah. His dad told him about baseball. Stay here. Work hard. You're special. So his dad was a professional God. golfer, you know, you know, little kids playing a lot of sports and all of that. And his dad saw the baseball in him at nine. At, at wow. Nine. So if you watch him when he goes up to bat and he's in the batter's box, he will draw the letters MPP in the dirt for make pop proud. He also has a tattoo on his chest that says MPP for make oh. pop proud. Um, he's been doing this since high school. He said, I think about my father all the time. It drives me when I'm tired in a 13 inning game. I think, man, don't give up. Don't give up for him. He wouldn't want me to do that. So we got some guys who are really feeling their dad's, I don't want to say expectations because I don't want it to sound negative, but maybe their dad's faith in them maybe is the way to say it. Like yep. this positive thing. Like, you know, I want to make my dad proud. Yep. So his mom Here's another mom I want to have a beer with because I really feel for single moms of athletes. Yeah. Because on top of all you're doing to keep your family together and to, you know, bring in, you know, to set the house and the food and all of those things you've got to do, your kid needs a lot of driving around and attention and all of that. And he said that his mom knew everything about baseball, knows everything about baseball, took him everywhere. The way she practiced with him, was with a tennis ball and a tennis racket. She would use the tennis racket to hit like deep fly balls for him to chase down and also bouncy grounders for him to field. <laughs> so out in the street with the tennis racket and a tennis ball is how his mom practiced with him. So yeah, Parkland, uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He was there, he graduated in 2016, which was two years before the shooting. Uh, he led that team to the state championship Oh, uh, wow. That team was the Baseball America High School Team of the Year. Jesus Lazardo was one of his teammates. So Marjorie Stoneman Demon Douglas High School is, you know, is a big sports school. Um, that used to be what they were famous for. Um, so again, two years before the shooting. Um, the day of the shooting, he started getting texts from his friends at, while he was, you know, at it was February, so it was spring training, right? And so he's like coming off the field, he's practicing, and he's like what's happening here. He actually got on the phone with coaches at the school. Like he called the school that day while things were going on and his coaches wow. were like giving him the information about what was happening. He said he knew almost all of the shooting victims, including, um, you remembered stories about like an assistant coach basically throwing himself between, you know, in front of kids. That was oh one of his God. coaches. Um, you know, his best friend's little sister. He said, yeah, I knew who the shooter was. I rode the bus to middle school with him for three years. That is terrifying. It's haunting. Oh, my God. It's haunting. So he and Jesus Lucardo and Anthony Rizzo, right. there's, a there's a couple of, you know, of 
major league players who have come out of this school, they all go back there. They all go back. They work with high school players there in the off season. They do their own workouts there. Um, and in this case, he brings equipment for the kids to use there. And he also does clinics for local kids actually with Jesus. Um, so not just the high school team in Parkland, but also the, you know, just the kids who live in the neighborhood. So he pays attention. He really cares about where he grew up. So he completely lit up the minor leagues. You know, he went, you know, right out of high school until COVID shut everything down, right? Which is affecting all of these guys that we're talking about. You know, they all, you know, that minor league year that didn't happen, right? And then here's where I'm following in your footsteps with bending the rules. He had this past summer, starting in May, actually, an 80-game suspension for um, a trace amount of oral turnable in his system, which he, of course, said... It's microscopic. I don't know where it's from. This has been happening to a lot of guys. I would love to know where this is coming from. All I can do is take the suspension. 80 so games. That's 80 games. A lot for it's a lot. Like that. It is a lot of games. It is a whole lot of games. So um got back in time to have his call up in September, September 9th. He had his second at bat. He had an RBI single, which that plus a two out single in the ninth started a rally for a come from behind win versus the Phillies, which was pretty cool. And of course he said, you know, obviously the ball from my first hit is going to my mom. And I thought, Oh, that's uh-huh. really sweet. And then another article I said, yeah, she's already asked about it. <laughs> so She knows what she's due. Right. So we taught, we're talking about, you know, third base for the Rockies a lot and who's going to play it. Right. Be, for all, years and years, nobody asked that question because it was Nolan Arenado all those years. And all of a sudden with him, you know, traded away, it's freed up this backlog of third base possibilities. Right. And so he's hoping that he gets picked as one of those guys, but he said, yeah, they've been playing me at first too. Don't worry. I I can do both color, both quarters. Well, you know, it's funny you say first because I just uh, checked on MLB, which apparently I hadn't looked at before for Connor Joe and he's listed as first base. So I don't know where I got the third from, but if your guy can take third and my guy can take first, then everybody's sure. going to be happy. So next week, we're talking about Cleveland. We're talking about the Guardians. Ooh. And we're talking about the Mets. And I want you to know that I just last night ordered my Guardians t-shirt because I did not, in fact, get one for Christmas. But I did, in fact, get um, some things that can be turned into uh, objects. So <laughs> I ordered <laughs> ordered my own damn shirt. <laughs> and ideally, it'll be here in time for me to wear it for the uh for the podcast next week i don't know i will say that right now i'm wearing my baseballism shirt that says um you know when if life gives you bad hops make great plays because i felt like that was seriously a thematic for today that and works I, so perfectly for your guys doesn't it i embrace the power of the shirt i'm so impressed all right i, I don't think i have any gear for mets or guardians but i'm excited that we get to do our first guardians picks like that's yeah, huh? such a good thing. Progress. It's so nice to see when we can actually measure progress. All right. It's time for that international turn. And I just want to say that y'all got to listen to us because sometimes we are ahead of the game. We yeah, are we ahead are. of the game with two things from last week. I want to give a tap, uh, tip my hat to Patty that's it. for her oh. piece last week on the the hockey mole. The That means the the skin cancer thing with hockey. Did you hear how that was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this week? No. Was it? Yep. Oh. 
So wow. that is like big folks. But Patty had it first. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to last week's episode. The other thing we talked about last week was how Genevieve Beacom was uh, was going to be on the Melbourne Aces as a development player. So she pitched yesterday and it was all over social media. And I sort of felt like, well, wait a minute. We talked about her being a development player last week, which means that she's supposed to be sort of, you know, training and getting some play time. But this seemed pretty fast because we just talked about it and she pitched yesterday. But then I realized, oh, wait, the ABL, this is the Australian Baseball League, isn't really having a season right now. So this was not a real season game. They're having a series of exhibition games. They weren't playing at all because of COVID. And then apparently, you know, things got a little bit better, but they weren't set up for having a season. So there were these various exhibition games, these sort of like weekend tournaments, but with professional teams. And that's what happened this weekend between the Melbourne um, Aces and the Adelaide Giants. So she got to pitch. And it's actually advertised there that that it said that the roster was going to be made up because this is, again, this is an exhibition game, people, of local ABL talent from longtime fan favorites to up-and-coming future stars. And so she's the up-and-coming future star at 17 years old pitching for this team. And they lost 7-1. Uh, to one. But she pitched a scoreless sixth inning, and there's lots of video floating around, and we'll definitely link to it, of her inning, which is gorgeous. There is, it, it's recorded as no hit. Somebody reached first, and it, the, apparently the first person who reached first, it was not on a walk, so I'm guessing it was an error. And then there was a fielder's choice. She did let up a, a walk for sure, another fielder's choice, and a flyout. And that's the end of her inning, and Pitching Ninja featured her. The head coach, Pete Moylan, said, if anyone thinks this is just a token selection, then they need to think again because she has 100% earned her spot on the development list with the Melbourne Aces. And she retweeted somebody's tweet about her and basically said, I can't wait to see what's yet to come. And I oh. backed that up saying we can't either. And so I'm super excited that we were like ready to watch for this because it's all over Twitter now. So one of the things I'm finding interesting about this is it is absolutely newsworthy. This is a big deal. This is this is mm -hmm. not a women's team. This is not a women's team that she's on. She is the first woman to be on an Australian professional baseball team. Yeah. So that's awesome. Because of the lockout, there is so little news actually happening. She's getting a boatload of coverage. Right. She's got there was a story in the Washington Post about her, which probably wouldn't have happened. So this is like the silver lining of the lockout is people are paying attention to stories that they ordinarily might have brushed over that are in fact important and are worth their time. Right. And now they have time. Now they're doing it. So yay for that. I mean, I'm not excited about a lockout, but I'm really excited about people looking at women playing sports. Absolutely. If you want to watch baseball right now, there are playoffs happening south of our border. This is the last week. So check out the semifinals happening in Puerto Rico, the Liga de Baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente. They actually had limited their crowds because of COVID. They were all the way down to 150 and they've been creeping back up 400. And as of a couple of days ago, they got brought up to 1800. 
I happened to check on them after an amazing game yesterday, January 8th. So there, it's semifinals. So it's the Cangrejeros de Santurce against the Criollos de Caguas on one side and the Gigantes and Indios on the other side. So the Caguas-Santurce game yesterday went 17 innings, six hours and 23 minutes, which was not the record. Apparently there was a 21-hour game at some point. But Christian oh Vasquez played a huge role here. So Christian Vasquez, bless his little heart. I had talked about him moving to first base. He caught 12 innings of this game as catcher. And then they moved him to first base. Bless his little knees. Heck right? with his heart. Bless his knees. Oh my, I hope he's okay. So it was scoreless into the 17th, oh which my is God. crazy. All right. So you've got to see. So I went to the video to watch the 17th inning. So in the middle of this, the top of the 17th, second batter is up for the Criollos. Se fue la luz. The lights go out at exactly 1 a.m. And the announcers were like, oh. it must be an automatic timer or something. Like, who no one knew about because who's here at 1 a.m.? Who's going to be playing baseball at 1 a.m.? So they take a commercial break and the lights are back. So they like fixed it pretty quickly. So this is the top of the inning, scoreless. Things are tight. There's a runner on third and doesn't make it home. So we go to the bottom of the 17th and leadoff hitter is none other than Christian Vasquez. The man does it all. He does. He get and, and I love him. He, of course, because he's a Red Sox catcher, but he gets a hit. He gets to first base and he puts on his mask because there are oh. a lot of people hanging out at first base. Sure and here are. we get to our Spanish word of the week, people. I'm going to talk about the rest of this game with some vocabulary. The first word is un toque, and tocar is to touch. So the next batter has un toque, which is a bunt. So the next batter bunts, and the bunt at my my husband looked at it and said that looks like an infield hit. It was it was he bunted. You could see the bat, but it went in an interesting direction, and he made it to first. So it's a very successful bunt. So now we have a guy in first, night guy on second, right? And then no outs at this point. And then there was a toque de sacrificio which I bet you could figure out is a sacrifice. That would be a sacrifice bunt, right. sure. So sack bunt, we got runners on second and third. Bottom of the 17th, no score. Base en bolas. Okay, base on balls. Base on balls. Then so now we have bases llenas. The, the bases are loaded. And then the last word, which I didn't know until this point, was pelotazo. So a pe pelota is a ball. So pelotazo is like is is emphasizing it, but it's hit by a pitch. So there was a pelotazo to get in the winning Are run you of a seventeen inning game. Yes. So the winning run was hit by a pitch. Semifinals. We're gonna see what happens with the cangrejeros, but oh my god, what an inning! What that's an nuts. That is completely nuts. It's worth seeing the video. And I, I'm pretty sure I put it in the notes. If not, I'll do it very, very soon. So yeah. there, uh, the the Puerto Rican semifinals ends on the 14th. Lidam in Dominican Republic, their round robin ends on the 17th right now. And just to do a little review from our vocabulary last week, juegos jugados, that's games played. There have been 10 as of the time I checked. 
11 is going on right now. The Gigantes de Cibao are cranking. They're up with having won eight out of the first 10 games, followed by the Tigres with just five, Estrellas Orientales with four, Aguilas Cibaeñas with three. And a little shout out to my baseball boyfriend from last year from Houston, Jose Siri. Got the go-ahead run in the bottom of the eighth, and their home run celebration is either cute or tacky, depending on your perspective. But they all get together and pretend they're taking a selfie. So yeah, that's a that's a football thing for sure. Is it? Yeah, it's definitely a, a touchdown celebration. It's National Football League. Situation I just kind of like. feel like whoever, like whatever team has their. Thing, like their celebration, like how they do stuff like this, it like has a better chance. Like they just, if you have your thing, your like team cohesion thing, then that's cool. The only thing that I don't like about this Gigantes is they also have Marcelo Suna, who also got a home run and also did the selfie thing. Sure. I am concerned about the Dominican Republic hosting the upcoming Caribbean series, which is the first week of February, which I, you know, I just love because it's the, the champion team from all over the the Caribbean coming together for this um, playoff series, but COVID is problematic right now in the DR to say the is least. Is there a place that would not be problematic right no, now? No, no. So I don't. So it's know. more that they're going to have the series, right? Right, and yeah. and, and flying. It's in not from a good answer, places, is there? Like, there's not a good answer. And 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 my um, godson uh, from uh, adopted minor league player who I've been in touch with still in the Dominican Republic says that he thinks that they're on the point of a shutdown. Like he thinks that, oh boy. that the country's going to shut down. So we'll see what happens. It's it's heartbreaking because I can't. I mean, I just can't wait to the Caribbean series. We will also have a representative from Venezuela. The Liga de Venezuela Baseball Profesional is in the playoffs right now. They end on the 16th. So check out all this stuff this week. And leading the batting average in the playoffs is none other than Williams Estudio, Patty's former boyfriend, who's batting 472 in the playoffs. Get out of town. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So that's like 10 games also, but still, that's serious. And number three, though, is my aforementioned um, slightly controversial boy- baseball boyfriend pick from last week. Balita Rafael Ortega is batting 415. So right now, the one- most wonderful thing is after 10 Juegos Jugadas, my Cardenales de Lara are on top with seven wins, followed by the Caribes de Anzuategui. And then Ooh. Navegantes de Magallanes. Wait, we, we drink for Anzuategui. Yes, yeah. yes, it's our new drinking game. Absolutely. And then the Tigres and um, poor Leones de Caracas only have one. So their round robin ends on the 16th. I don't want to forget about Mexico because I don't talk about them enough because there's just not that many players that we're all following. But their semis end on the 13th and they have a, you know, it's four teams, so there's two different playoffs happening. Tomateros de Culacan have three wins against the Algodoneros de Guasave with one. Sultantes de Monterrey against the Charros de Jalisco are even at two and two. And that is the international rundown. I love it. So my friends, look at all the baseball there is to watch. You know, I was saying that there's all the space to fill with the lockout. Fill it with watching winter ball because it sure is fun and you know like a third of the guys who are playing and it gives you a chance to practice your new spanish vocabulary words yep thanks yep. potty mouth for being a good teacher muchas gracias oh whoops <laughs> de nada i'm supposed to say the you're welcome part. muchas gracias de nada you. yeah that's right 
That's how that works. That's how that works. So if you're watching baseball, that's great. If you have time to listen to us talk about baseball or tell your friends to do so, please check out some past episodes. Leave us a review or a rating if you can do that, because that sure does help us out. Always, always find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast. Facebook and Instagram are no crying in b-ball. There's a surge out there, people. Get tested if you need to be. Be very careful. And please get your booster. That will help you fight the man because it's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Air fryer. That's the one. The air fryer, which has saved turnips and rutabagas for me. There we go. Back arrow and air fryer.